Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Quite possibly the best case scenario has presented itself for Josh Gordon as the Browns traded him to the New England Patriots on Monday afternoon for a fifth round pick. The Patriots essentially steal Josh Gordon. That's the way it's looking right now. We'll see if they can turn him into gold like they did Randy Moss, like they've done other players as well. We know that that organization just has a knack for doing this, and they're the best in football. There's no arguing it. So I hope you hung on to Josh Gordon as he now finds himself in perhaps, again, a great situation for fantasy purposes. We'll have to see how things unwind. If you're looking at Josh Gordon this week coming up, I would not start him just yet. Sit him on your bench for a week, see what happens, see how they kind of use Josh Gordon in week one, see if they you know, just kind of ease him into the game plan. Of course, he's just got into, into New England, had to pass a physical, had to... Uh, you know, obviously learn the playbook and whatnot. So there's a lot to, um, you know, still happen for Josh Gordon in the progression process, in the learning process as it pertains to his time in New England. So let's see how things unfold. But if you have Josh Gordon on your roster, I have him on a couple leagues. I also have him on my dynasty team. And I'm excited about that fact that I can have him for a couple years down the road. And hopefully Tom Brady is still throwing to him two, maybe three years from now still. Uh, But hey, I'm James Swanson. I guess I should introduce myself in the show, and this is Pad the Stats, the podcast that brings you everything fantasy football. So the last time you heard from me was our week two, uh, part two preview, sorry, of the games on Sunday. I didn't have a chance to record a podcast on Sunday night recapping the games and then on Monday nights, I have class for my job. I'm going for a certification, and my, my job's paying for it and whatnot. So I have to go to this class on Monday nights. And it's kind of a pain in the butt because after a long day at work, and then I go to this class from 6 to 9.30, and then I'm beat. By the time I get home, it's 10 o'clock, 10.30, whatever. So the last thing I want to do is sit down and record a podcast at that point. I just want to lay down. So that's why... Monday nights are just tough for me. So I'm going to try to, again, start getting these podcasts out on Sunday night so you have a recap to listen to, so you have a waiver wire preview to listen to. I'm going to try to be better about that moving forward. The other big news, obviously, well, I don't even know if it's news right now, that Antonio Brown missed practice yesterday on Monday. Um, we don't know you know, exactly what's going on there. Apparently, Mike Tomlin during his press conference today said that he is going to talk to Antonio Brown and, I don't know, discuss what? Discuss his behavior, discuss discuss antics, whatever. Look, Antonio Brown's going to be in Tampa Bay, suited up this Monday night, and I expect him to play very well. Look, he's been targeted 33 times through the first two games. I'm not going to get into, you know, what Antonio Brown is— done on the sidelines or what he's done in the locker room, whatever. From a fantasy perspective, don't panic, don't worry. He's going to be there this Monday night, uh, next Monday night, whatever, at Tampa Bay, suited up, and he's going to perform for you just fine. Now, maybe part of the reason that Antonio Brown isn't that happy is because his teammate, Juju Smith-Schuster, is getting all the love right now. Talk about a guy who is really showing up in his second season. Now, we saw... Uh, some of that stardom in year one from Juju Smith-Schuster, but we wondered, hey, is this guy going to take a huge leap in year two? And 
look, I'll be honest with you. My concern in the offseason when draft season was upon us was, hey, can Juju Smith-Schuster get enough of a target share with Le'Veon Bell and with Antonio Brown there? And I didn't think that was going to be the case. Well, no Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, even though he's been targeted 33 times through two games, they haven't been very efficient with those targets to this point. So the benefactor of this entire thing has been Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been targeted 27 times in two games, and that is why he is my rising star of the week. Again, I did this a little bit ago, maybe a month ago or so during draft season or or preseason, a rising star of the week, and I'm going to try to get back into that. So Juju Smith-Schuster, my rising star of the week. Again, 27 targets through two games. I said in the offseason, I thought he would be capped around 95 to 100 targets. Right now, he is on pace for 217 targets. Obviously, he's not going to get to that amount, right? That's impossible, um, or damn near it, unless you're, I don't know, Jerry Rice maybe. But if he averages, let's just crunch the numbers here um, from a season-long perspective. If he averages six targets per game over his final 14 games, he'll finish with 111. So six targets per game over 14 games, that's not that much to ask for from a number two receiver, even with even in an offense with a prolific receiver like Antonio Brown. And don't don't get me wrong, Antonio Brown is going to get going. And to be honest with you, he didn't even have, week one, I think he had nine for 95 and a touchdown. And this week he had, uh, you know, another, what, eight or nine catches as well. So it's not like the catches aren't there uh, and the targets aren't there, but it's seen, Juju Smith-Schuster has been the more efficient wide receiver so far for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think that he has a very good chance to get over 110 targets. In fact, I think he has a chance to get over 120 targets at this point. If I had to say right now, I think he'll be right around that 120 mark. Um, But he's going to be a very, very solid high-end wide receiver, too, for you all season long. I would certainly hold on to Juju Smith-Schuster right now. This isn't a situation where I even think you should necessarily sell high on him. Um, I just think he's in in a good situation in in a passing offense that is has the chance to be, again, one of the best passing offenses, one of the top five passing offenses in the league. So he's going to be a number two receiver all year. And unless you really, really want to shoot high there, but honestly, I'd be completely content with him as uh, my number two receiver for the entire season. Okay, so let's talk about, I wanted to talk about um, uh, where I was right and where I was wrong from this weekend on Sunday or on Saturday night, rather, I recorded a podcast and I gave some predictions from the NFC home games. Most of my predictions came from those games, um, but I did want to, you know, kind of follow back on that and discuss some of the things where, hey, I was dead on and some of these things, man, I was way off. So number, let's start with the things I was right on, okay? Chris Thompson, I said he was going to be a top 10 back again this week. He scored 22 points in PPR leagues in week two. Um, So, you know, looking at the numbers so far for Chris Thompson, he's been a top 10 back two weeks in a row. Last week, um, he was RB5, and he is currently RB5 in PPR season long and RB10 in non-PPR. So there is a bit of a drop-off there in non-PPR. I think he is more of a high-end flex moving forward in non-PPR leagues, but he has the chance to be a high-end 
RB2, or at least a very solid RB2 rest of season for you. The thing is, he has just nine carries for 66 yards through two games. My question is, when does Adrian Peterson break down? It's going to happen at some point. Um, they just put Rob Kelly on IR today. We already, obviously, we knew about um, the, you know, the rookie running back, um, Darius Geis, being you know, gone for the year. So they are thin at running back. I think the carries will increase a little bit, but I still think you're looking at a guy that's not going to have probably more than 120, 110, 120 carries all season. But here's the big thing. He has a whopping 19 catches on 21 targets. That's massive. We thought going into the season that Jamison Crowder was going to take a little bit of that. That's not the case so far. He has just five catches on eight targets in two games. So I think Chris Thompson is going to be a season-long, again, a very solid RB2 for you in PPR leagues. You have to drop him off a little bit in non-PPR. But uh, I was dead on with this one. Had another, another huge, huge game um, against the Colts this weekend, and I expect that moving forward. Another one where I was right, I said, do not start Tyrod Taylor. And I was dead on. He finished his QB 24 with just 14 points this week. I said it all along. He does not play that well on the road. And honestly, I just don't think Tyrod Taylor is a very good quarterback anyway. Some experts were saying, well, the rushing attempts will kind of boost him up a little bit. He only had four carries for 26 yards. End of the day, 22 of 30, 246 yards, one touchdown and one pick. Again, QB 24. So was dead on with that one. And Again, I saw some people picking him up in the waiver wire this past week. He's not somebody that I'm I'm necessarily excited about. I would not be rostering him, to be honest with you. Um, especially now the fact that Josh Gordon is gone. I like Antonio Callaway. I like Jarvis Landry, some of the other weapons they have. I do think David Njoku is going to step up and be a very good tight end here at some point, and the target share has been there for him. But overall, when it comes down to Tyrod Taylor leading this offense, I just don't see the upside there. Okay, the other thing I was right on was start Nelson Aguilar and Chris Godwin, and both found the end zone on Sunday. Aguilar finished his wide receiver seven in PPR formats and with 23 points, and Godwin finished as wide receiver 26 in PPR with 16.6. So not quite as good for Godwin, but he still had five catches, 56 yards, and the touchdown. Four Aguilar, eight catches, 88 yards, and the touchdown. I think going back to that opening night game against the Falcons, we had a good feeling that Nelson Aguilar was going to be able to have a nice target share heading into week two. And as long as Alshon Jeffrey's out, he's going to have that target share. I think we're all confident about that, right? But after week one, we're like, boy, Nick Foles looked really, really bad. And the fact that he only had, um, uh, Nelson Aguilar, that is, only had, what, six yards per catch? Uh, it wasn't pretty. So we're hoping for a little bit more down the field stuff this week and they would get that vertical passing game going a bit. So that's encouraging. I'm, I'm excited that Nelson Aguilar was able to put in a good week too, and I've been high on him since the preseason. I think even with Alshon Jeffrey coming back, um, he's somebody, you know, whenever that is, I'm, I'm predicting right now that that's going to be week four. I think that, you know, Nelson Aguilar is going to have a role in this offense all season long, especially with Carson Wentz under center now. This is only going to be a better situation with Carson Wentz, right? And, uh Again, even with Jeffrey in that lineup, I don't think that he takes that much of a backseat. A third thing that I was right on was the fact, and we're sticking with the Eagles here, Corey Clement, I said he was a sneaky start. Now, I know, I know, Jay Ajayi only played 22 offensive snaps. He had the back injury. He went out for a while. Then he came back in. So 
he didn't get the the, the number of snaps that he normally would. But I said all along, I think Corey Clement will have 9 to 12 touches and that he would be very efficient with those touches. What did he do? 11 touches, 6 carries, 5 receptions, 85 total yards, and a touchdown. So he finished his RB8 this week in PPR formats with 19.5 points. Obviously, the touchdown helped there. But yeah, I mean, he was a he was a very, very good start this weekend. I think even with Ajayi, uh, if he would have played the whole game, I, I still think he would have finished around that touch number, around 10 touches, and those catches just continue to help. So I love the efficiency there. As long as Darren Sproles is going to miss time, Corey Clement is going to have a role in this offense. And the fact that we just heard today that Jay Ajayi might, according to their offensive coordinator, is not going to be ready for Sunday, or he's they're thinking that he's not going to be ready. They're not expecting him to play this weekend. Corey Clement's role becomes even bigger. Uh, I will talk about him a little bit more when we get to the uh, waiver wire, I believe. And then my last point where I was uh, dead on again, or at least, you know, somewhat, right, <laughs> was uh, starting Matt Breida. I said start Matt Breida over Jamal Williams this week. That was one example I gave, but I was just a proponent of starting Matt Breida regardless this week. He turned in a big effort for the Niners. 11 carries, 138 yards, a touchdown, adding three catches for 21 yards. He finishes RB4 with 25 points in PPR formats, and he should start separating himself more and more from Alfred Morris. I do believe that. I still think Morris is going to have that role where he has 12 carries a game, 12-plus carries a game, but Breida is going to dominate in the pass-catching area, uh, and he's also going— because I I really do think you can count on him for three to five catches a game, which is nice in PPR— and then I think he's still going to get, uh, you know, around that 15 carry mark. I know he only had 11 in this game, but I, I, st- I do think he's going to increase. They're going to increase his workload. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to start giving him that that workload of 16 to 18 touches a game. And uh, I am so excited that I was able to get Matt Breida in my most important league. As soon as the Jarek McKinnon news broke in the offseason, I got him before waivers had even kicked in. That was just, it really changed the landscape of my running back situation right now. And he's going to be somebody that I start moving forward. And again, this week at Kansas City, this is another good start. Matt Burita is in another good position. So fire him up as your RB2, as your flex. Now I'm in a deep league where we have 14 teams. So he's more of an RB2 in that in that PPR format with 14 teams. In other formats, in a 12-team you're probably starting him in your flex. All right, well, let's get to the point where I was wrong on, and I had a handful of things, I'll admit it. So the number one thing, I was emphatic about sitting Brandon Cooks, and he made me look like a fool. Nine targets, seven catches, 159 yards. He now has 12 receptions on 17 targets and 246 yards on the season. He finished his wide receiver 10 in non-PPR and wide receiver 8 in PPR. I just felt like with Patrick Peterson... With those two matching up a good a bit a good bit, I didn't think it was a good matchup for Brandon Cooks, but obviously uh, it didn't turn out that way. And it looks like like they don't quite go to that same philosophy anymore. Where Patrick Peterson is just shadowing one receiver all over the field. It wasn't that way on Sunday, and um, Brandon Cooks is looking like again. I was not that high on him in the offseason because I just felt like there was just not enough work to go around, especially for a wide receiver with that kind of style, who's a boomer bust kind of guy. Well, he's had two good weeks in a row now leading the Rams in receptions 
um, or, or leading the Rams in receiving. So we'll see if Brandon Cooks can keep this up and keep the momentum going rest of season. Another one I was wrong on, I said Duke Johnson will have at least five catches this week and have a bounce back game over that, uh, you know, after that game against the Steelers where he really didn't show up. He had just two receptions for seven yards and he's totaled just 11 touches in two games so far, eight carries and three receptions. Now, uh, the coaching staff came out today and they said, hey, we got to get this guy the ball more. We realize that he's one of our best playmakers. The fact that Josh Gordon's not in town anymore, hopefully will help the situation even a little bit more. Uh, But again, I mean, Gordon didn't even play this past Sunday, so I don't know how much he even affected the situation. I think that they just have to game plan to get the ball in the hands of Duke Johnson even more. We saw how big of a contributor he was last year. He finished as a top 12 RB in PPR format. So this guy has all the talent in the world. I just think that he's going, you you, you can't trust him more than an RB. He's got to be a a bench stash at this point on your team. You can't trust him in your starting lineup until we see it yet after having, again, just 11 total touches in two games. I would have never envisioned that at this point in the season. Sticking with the Browns, I said David Njoku will be a top 10 tight end. He finished his tight end 24, had just six fantasy points. But he did see seven targets again. He has 14 on the season now, seven in each game. So eventually, I think this is going to turn around. I think you have to be patient with him. I said he was going to be a top 12 tight end this season. I still believe that he has the ability to get to somewhere in that range um, to be in the top 12. And as long as the targets stay there, I, I have to think the, the efficiency, the yardage, the playmaking will show up because I do think this guy is a very, very talented tight end. So the again, the, the target share is eventually going to pay off with David Njoku. The next thing that I had you know called on coming from the Cardinals and uh, Niners game, I, I said start Adrian Peterson and Jamison Crowder. I thought, um, or I'm sorry, not Cardinals. Huh, thinking last year with Adrian Peterson from Washington and the Colts. I thought this was a good um, a good matchup for AP in this game, and I I thought that Jamison Crowder would get on on point because we heard all off season that him and Alex Smith had found a rhythm together. They had found a connection in camp. Well, we still haven't seen that. Four targets, two receptions, eight yards. He had two carries for 29 yards. So we didn't see it from Crowder this week. I'm a little bit disappointed. I said he would be a top 24 receiver. Don't panic just yet on Jamison Crowder. I wouldn't dump him. I have him in a league that's a fairly deep league. I am not letting him go yet. I wouldn't suggest letting Jamison Crowder go yet, but if he has another two weeks of this performance, I think that you need to start pushing the panic button. And then Adrian Peterson, 11 carries, 20 yards. He added three catches for 30 yards. So just the 50 total yards on 14 touches. And look, this is what AP is going to be. He's 33 years old. We know that he is still... He's a beast. He is a, you know, physically gifted beyond what most guys are capable of, right? But at some point, at some point, it has to slow down, and he's not going to be as consistent on a game-to-game basis. So you're going to get what you got last week where he had a good game, and then you're also going to get what you got this week. Um, So, you know, I know the Redskins were in catch-up mode a little bit in this game, but... (sighs) It just, it, I just still don't like this situation with Adrian Peterson. He's not somebody that I want to start on a week-to-week basis. And then uh, Ricky Seals-Jones was another one that I said was a good streaming option at the tight end position versus the Rams. He had just six, ca- six targets, four catches, and 17 yards. So 
This is two weeks in a row now for Ricky Seals Jones that he we thought that he might be somebody at the tight end position that could step up this year, take a take a leap in his uh you know in the next year, and he really hasn't done that yet. Um, we saw what Jared Cook did to the Rams defense last weekend when they were you know able to take away everything from on the outside in terms of taking away Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, but we didn't. That just didn't come to fruition this weekend. And the, look, let's be honest, the Cardinals' offense looks absolutely terrible. So it's hard to peg everything on on Seals-Jones, obviously. Um, a lot of this is on Sam Bradford and just the efficiency of that offense right now. I think that they have to have to stick to um, or have to go to Josh Rosen here at some point. And then another one where I was wrong on was Pierre Garcon. I said he was going to be a top 24 receiver this week. He finished his wide receiver 49. I thought with Marquise Goodwin out that he would have a decent game. He saw just four targets, did catch all four of them for 57 yards. So it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't what we were looking for from Pierre Garcon. And the more, you know, in the preseason, I thought everybody was on this hype train of Marquise Goodwin. And I was on that hype train too for a while. But I said, you know what? It would not surprise me at some point in the season Pierre Garcon becomes Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target. I don't know if that's going to happen. I just don't. I, I think that the, he likes to spread the ball around a lot. He likes to get Breed involved. He loves George Kittle. He looks like the, his favorite target right now. Um, and I just think that once Goodwin comes back, they're going to they're going to get I think Dante Pettis more involved as well. They're obviously going to have Marquise Goodwin involved. So I think there's going to be a bit of a cap there um, for Pierre Garcon. All right, well, let's get into the league news and notes. I don't have quite as many today as I normally do. The big one off the top of my list here is Carson Wentz has been cleared for contact. He will start Sunday versus the Colts. That's huge. Now, I'm in a 2QB dynasty league, where, or it's actually a super flex QB league, but I need, I'm need i going to need to start Carson Wentz this week. Um, him and Patrick Mahomes are my only two quarterbacks. I drafted Sam Bradford as my third quarterback early in the you know during the draft. That was back, we had a, a startup dynasty draft in May, and I thought that there was maybe some hope. I really look like an idiot now for drafting Sam Bradford with how terrible that offense is. Um, but anyway, back to the point. I think in a 1QB league, in a redraft 1QB league, I think you could probably find some better options this week, just until we see Carson Wentz kind of knock that rust off a little bit. Um, but I do think he's going to return to form from last year and just be absolutely awesome. And I, I'm just so pumped that he is back in the Eagles starting offense this week. Alshon Jeffrey with uh, still recovering from that rotor, rotator cuff surgery. He did get in limited work last week. I think I mentioned that and he plans to practice this week. Now, I think he's still at least probably a week or two weeks away. I, my bet is he plays in week four, maybe even week. F- I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if he doesn't come back in week five. But the reason I'm saying week four is because there is a chance now that they rush him back with Mike Wallace fracturing his fibula. That was my next bit of news with the Eagles. He, he did fracture his fibula versus the Bucks on Sunday. With that happening, I think that they might need to throw Alshon Jeffrey into the mix a little bit sooner than they wanted to, especially... Um, um, you know, I mean, they're just thin. They're they're just thin at wide receiver right now. And uh, outside of Alshon Jeffrey, it's quite a messy situation. Um, you know, for the Eagles at the moment. Um, Lashawn McCoy, you know, did then didn't then he did break his ribs. There was contradicting news there. I didn't know what to think of it. 
He still could play this week versus Minnesota. That's a real possibility at this point. Now, the news came out today that his mother's son filed an affidavit in support of his ex-girlfriend. Um, so who knows what's going on with the case there? I don't want to get into that yet. I don't. As of right now, LaShawn McCoy is not suspended for any reason, um, but that doesn't sound good for his you know, his cause, I, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, but in terms of him playing this week, he's got to go to Minnesota. He's beat up. This is a terrible offense. This could be another blowout for the Bills. And um, I don't know. I, w- I would definitely try to stray away um, from LaShawn McCoy at Minnesota this week if you can. Uh, Eric Berry with the heel injury that he uh, had, is he's, he's improving. Um, he could practice this week. If he does play, it would be a huge downgrade, or at least a, a decent downgrade to George Kittle. Um, but I, I wouldn't bet on him playing this week. And then uh, Vikings cut, we got some kicker news. Vikings cut Daniel Carlson and signed Dan Bailey after that terrible game that he had on Sunday. And another bad performance, Zane Gonzalez for the Browns. They cut him. They signed Greg Joseph. Um, and then uh, the third bit of news, the Rams kicker, Greg Zerline, who uh, didn't come out, didn't play, in Sunday's game, we didn't know anything was going on. He has a groin issue that it sounds like he's going to miss a game, and it could possibly could be more. So they signed um, Sam Ficken to kind of you know work in there until Zerline's back. They, he actually filled in for Zerline last year too. Marcus Mariota's injury status with his elbow, he has a pinched nerve, hasn't changed. Mike Vrabel says that you know there's still some throws that he can't make at this point. So. Nothing has really changed with Marcus Mariota at this point in the week. Aaron Jones is eligible to return from his two-game suspension. Jamal Williams should still get the early cracks, I think, but this is a situation to watch, especially after Jamal Williams' audition didn't go so well in the first two games, 106 yards on 31 carries in those two games. Now, I know the Minnesota game was tough, and Chicago's defense is no joke either. So those are two difficult matchups for Jamal Williams. Look, I think season long, whoever gets the nod in that backfield is still going to be good. I am not straying away from that thought process because playing behind Aaron Rodgers in the most lethal passing attack in the league, you have to respect it. You have to, you know, you can't just, you can't cram the box against those guys at some point, one of these running backs is going to have big games. Uh, this just makes it a little muddier right now. If you're like me and you have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on a couple of your rosters, I would probably sit both of them this week. I wouldn't take the chance. Um, I don't. Not that it's a terrible, terrible matchup, but I think that uh, you know we just kind of want to see how Mike McCarthy handles this running back situation first. And then the last bit of news, Hayden Hurst, uh, tight end for the Ravens, still recovering from that foot injury. He will not resume practicing this week, so it still looks like he's another week away from playing. All right, let's get into the waiver wire primer. So I'm going to give you four guys, actually five guys that I like to, um, you know, I just went through Yahoo and uh, looked at their percentage owned and uh, guys that I would you know, be excited to pick up this week or if I have a bench spot open. And then I'm also going to give you some fake news. We're going to call this waiver wire fake news. And I'm going to give you four guys who, look, I don't think you should buy into the hype quite yet and pick them up based on what they've done to this point in the season. So let's start with the waiver wire primer. And the first one that I have on top here is John Brown, 27% owned. He has seen 14 targets, seven receptions, 136 yards, two touchdowns through two games. 
Look, I've been banging this drum on Smokey most of the offseason. I said this guy has a real chance to be a playmaker in Baltimore. I know we don't typically get very excited about the Ravens' passing attack, but this guy's a very good talent, and he had that sickle. He has the sickle cell trait that affected him in Arizona. We had heard that maybe the heat affects that a little bit. Well, he's in Baltimore now, and it hasn't seemed to creep up on him yet to this point. So when John Brown has been healthy, he's been a very good receiver. Um, he played 67 snaps against the Bengals after playing just 48 in Buffalo, so that's good. I love the the you know the snap counts. They're going to continue to use him on the outside, and Flacco looks like he's very comfortable going to his to uh, John Brown in really any part of the field, whether it's a a comeback route, a hook route, a curl route, something to the sideline at 8, 10, 12 yards. Um, whether he's pushing the ball downfield, obviously that's John Brown's game from what we remember in Arizona with Carson Palmer. But this is a guy who, trust me, this is not just a you know flash in the pan type of thing where John Brown, the small little guy, has had a couple good weeks and you're you know it's it's kind of whatever whatever. But John Brown is for real. He's going to stick around in this Ravens offense, and it would not surprise me if he's a better the best receiver on that team all year, better than Michael Crabtree. And then my second one, and this is because of injury, it's Giovanni Bernard, 29% owned. I think some people dropped him after week one and were just, you know, really disappointed in how they used him or maybe encouraged if you're the Joe Mixon owner that Joe Mixon was just getting all of that work like we had hoped he would. Um, but it looked like Gio Bernard was getting phased out of this offense permanently. Well, with Joe Mixon going down, having arthroscopic surgery on his knee, Gio Bernard is now a factor again in the Bengals offense. He was featured heavily in the passing game when Joe Mixon was not in the game versus the Ravens on Thursday. If you watched any of the game, Mixon was in and out of the game a little bit, went out twice. Um, When he wasn't in there, Gio Bernard was in there primarily, and he was catching the ball out of the backfield a lot. So I think he has a chance to be a solid RB2 in PPR leagues these next two weeks because I think it's going to be a two-week situation for Mixon since they played on Thursday night. He's going to sit this Sunday. I think he hasn't actually has a chance to play the following Sunday. I wouldn't bet on it. I think he's going to miss two games, no more than that. Um, but I, again, I think he's a solid RB two in PPR leagues until Mixon returns, and probably an okay flex in non PPR leagues until Mixon returns. And I would expect fourteen to eighteen touches a game, which would be about four four to six catches a game, and maybe ten to twelve carries a game for Joe Mixon. Um, I know they weren't very excited about what Mark Walton did in the offseason. He was very disappointing. I just don't think they have a lot of depth behind uh, Joe Mixon right now or behind Gio Bernard, so they're going to lean on him a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a guy who gets 20-plus touches a game, but I think you can definitely um, you know, count him for 14 to 18 total touches a game. And then my number three was Antonio Callaway, and this was based on snap count and the Josh Gordon situation. You know, snap count wise, they are getting this guy on the field more and more. We saw this last week against the Saints, and he just looks like a, a total playmaker. Um, the guy has all the talent in the world. We were just a little bit worried about the offseason stuff to start the season. He's 8% owned in Yahoo League, so go out and get Antonio Callaway. I think he's going to have a role in the Browns' offense all season. 
And then my number four was Buck Allen, 8% owned. If you didn't get him last week, we saw another double-digit performance in fantasy for fantasy points this week from Buck Allen. He got a little bit of the goal line work over Alex Collins. He's going to stay involved in the offense all year. He's going to catch passes out of the backfield, four or five a game. So if you're in a PPR league, Buck Allen is somebody that you really need to look at as, as not as non-sexy as Buck Allen uh, kind of is in, in our fantasy eyes. Um, he's somebody that I think needs to be rostered. And then Corey Clement, number five, 22%. Talked about him earlier. This it really hinges on Jay Ajay and Darren Sproles. When those two are healthy, I don't think Corey Clement's going to have enough volume to be a fantasy contributor. But for this coming week, if Jay Ajay sits, which it looks like he is, if Darren Sproles misses, then Corey Clement is going to have a serious role in this offense this week. He could have 15 touches, um, maybe even a little bit more than that. I don't know if he's going, he's not going to be a workhouse or a workhorse kind of back. Um, but 15 touches with those two guys missing is certainly, certainly doable. Um, so yeah, just pay attention to the Eagles backfield situation, pay attention to their injury report. And if you can go out and get Corey Clement. All right. My waiver wire, fake news, four guys. And number one is Tyler Boyd. We have not seen a whole lot from Tyler Boyd in his first couple seasons in the league um, coming out of Pittsburgh, and I just don't, I'm not buying it. I know he had a nice night on Thursday against the Ravens, but this is a situation where we've seen Andy Dalton not necessarily support a second receiver heavily enough uh, to be fantasy relevant all season. He'll do it in spots, he'll do it in little splashes, but A.J. Green is going to be is going to dominate targets, and Tyler Boyd is going to have more off weeks than he is on weeks. So this is somebody that I would not be excited to go out and pick up, and that's Tyler Boyd as my number one fake news on the waiver wire. And then uh, number two is Philip Dorsett. We've seen seven targets each of the last two weeks. Um, but again, when Julian Edelman comes back, now that Josh Gordon's in town, I think you just need to cool your jets on Philip Dorsett in New England. He's not somebody that's going to give you enough consistency, much like Tyler Boyd the rest of this season. My number three and four were two tight ends, and that's Will Disley and Jesse James. Will Disley has caught two touchdowns each of the last two weeks, but he's only seen five targets in those two games. So, look, I this just screams red flag to me that he is not going to get enough uh, target share. He's not going to get enough uh, production. If he's not scoring touchdowns, he's not going to give you anything from a fantasy perspective. So Will Disley's another one who is in the fake news who don't go out and get, I, I just am not buying this season long. And then Jesse James, number four. We've seen big performances from Jesse James in the past. He had over 100 yards this week, a huge game against Kansas City. Without Eric Berry, it's a bad defense. But uh, Jesse James is going to be phased out a lot in this offense just because of all the weapons that the Steelers have. Whether they're up and they're they're running the ball a lot with James Conner or whether it's Antonio Brown drawing 11, 12, 15 targets, whatever he's getting. Juju Smith-Schuster has shown that he's going to command a lot of targets now as well if Le'Veon Bell comes back. So you get my drift here. Jesse James is not going to be consistent enough. And that's kind of the theme with all these four guys is just the consistency, the usage, and the opportunity. And that's my biggest thing in fantasy football. When you're looking at this, it's about those three things. Um, and if you're not getting those on a consistent basis, 
you don't want to just chase touchdowns and rely on touchdowns and look at these one-game performances. you got to look at the track record as a whole from the player and from the offense as a whole, too. All right, well, uh, that was pretty quick, I I think. I mean, about 35 minutes, so not too bad. Um, but we're going to do another, uh, you know, obviously another review or preview of uh, week week three coming up. So I'll have a couple of those as well. Um, but again, everybody, if, if you have any questions, please, please reach out to me. I love answering questions on Twitter anytime I can. I love reading them on the podcast too. So hit us up at Twitter, at Pad the Stats. Listen to the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play Music. You, all you have to do is search Pad the Stats and listen to the episode. But uh, I'm signing off for the night, so everybody have a great Tuesday night. I'll have this episode up here shortly. I'm going to get working on that. Until next time, enjoy week three action, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.